0: Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, pod at gmail.com. And before we get started, I want to remind you, we have, at the top of our Twitter profile, pinned a tweet with some wish lists for some teachers. Did you know that teachers can only write off $250 worth of school supplies on their income taxes? So... We want to, again, push that out there. Please, if you've got the means or the opportunity to help us clear some of those uh, items off of the wish list. School is just around the corner for a lot of our kiddos. I know I had to take a bunch of supplies up to my son's school, and we're able to do that. But these teachers do a lot for us, and so we want to give an opportunity to help and bless them as the school year starts. My name is Gerald Goodwood, am German host this week like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who always gets a number one vote from me. Kyle Carpenter, Kyle, how are you?
1: You know, much like the Texas Longhorns, I can always count on on one. No, that's uh, I appreciate that, Gerald. It's it's always a weird thing to me. Like we always talk about award season and basically like how dumb the internet is in the off season, and it's we're like within scratching distance of actual meaningful real football. Being played. Basically, I think we have one more weekend between now and February when there's not highest division professional or collegiate football every weekend. So, um you know, it's coming. But it, I forget that maybe the dumbest out of everything is the, you know, the preseason poll season. It's like the last bit of draining and mining uh, the the content cycle uh the pump one more time and texas yeah is is uh, number 18 okay sure probably a little high maybe maybe skewed by this fact someone voted texas the, uh, with a first place vote wild if
0: you don't think it's nick saban playing some games <laughs> then i don't know what what you're doing right Rat like, poison that is absolutely nick saban right Absolutely Nick Saban doing it. Now Sark is very much like hip to this and like he in his Monday media availability we'll talk about in just a minute, but he was like, We're we're a five and seven team. Like I, I he literally said I never understood preseason polls. He also mentioned that they were picked to finish fourth in the Big Twelve, and I quote, So that should get our asses moving. Uh those are Sark's words, not mine, but I, I think it makes sense. And I you made know, we mentioned it on Twitter like like a couple of weeks ago, like there, th- this is a this is a team coming off of five and seven years. So if there's anything that is not motivating to them, then like they should just not put on the uniform and not come out. But uh, so we're going to talk a little today about. Just preseason availability, the media has been gotten access to uh, the coaches, and so we'll talk about what Sark said on Monday. We're in the middle of our, our position preview, so we've got the offensive line coming up. Uh, I, because I am who I am, got some offensive line advanced stats for you. Uh, we'll close the show out with some down the 40 quite a bit uh, to talk about there, including some recruiting news, baseball scheduling, and a, a volleyball transfer in that we like to see. And we'll obviously close the show out with some bang Uh, the drum. So uh, Steve Sarkeesian, ahead of going full pads on Tuesday, the day that you're listening to this, uh, got out in front of the media and answered some questions. There was a lot to talk about, uh, but he mentioned specifically a lot of the depth, a lot of the young players uh, stepping up. We'll talk more about that in our second chunk of the show today. But uh, it seems like, Kyle, if we compare the audio, the, the thoughts, the feelings, the uh emotions from sark's first round of preseason pressers a year ago Mm. to where they're at now uh things at least from his perspective at least the way i'm reading it it seems like things are trending in the right direction
1: yeah it, it does seem like an overall team depth right he came on and pretty immediately talked about roster construction's not right people need to you know they need to to get in gear you need to have more depth at key positions you need to uh be competing like there were certain key words that you weren't hearing it does sound like he feels more comfortable right now with the quarterback play it is whoever the starter which he hasn't named uh, as of monday night when we're uh, recording this um but whoever that is it, whether it's one of the two really viable options on the roster right now it's it's it feels like he has a better feeling there it feels like um the running back room he's really comfortable with, you know, he, he's had a lot of praise for some receivers and some some new guys and some returning guys and the work ethic that they have, um, and in and, and he's talked about, you know, some young guys on the both sides of the line, offense and defense, some some vocal people stepping up in positions on the defense, but I mean today we're talking about the offensive line, and and I find it interesting that that. Fans have been asking, and it feels like the the journalists uh, who, who are in these pressers have been asking uh, and, and wanting the same kind of news of like, okay, we got some really big guys and some really big recruits, and how good are they and how soon can they? And it sounds like Sarkin he's not giving anything away, but he's pleased, I think, with, with um, the shape they showed up in, the work they're putting in um, from the, the players who didn't enroll early and just kind of are still within weeks of of. Actually being an official member of, of uh, Texas Longhorn football, uh, he feels pretty good about them. And you're right, Gerald. I think all in all, that's a better sign than what ultimately preceded a five and seven season, right? With a little bit of maybe not outright angst, but a little bit of, a little bit bigger question mark uh, last season in those same conference press conferences.
0: I mean, Kyle, I'm pretty angsty plenty angsty now, but I think, you know, from my, like, my perspective, it seems like, you know, you mentioned specifically, like, you can feel the depth is different this year, and, like, we're now getting to push for consistency, which is, you know, problematic in hindsight, but, you know, he mentioned that, like, the veteran guys are helping the younger players kind of push through that early camp fatigue that you hear. I mean, you and I were nowhere near elite athletes, but I remember, you know, day three or day four of two days, and you like, sure. can my, do my legs still exist? Like, are these just <laughs> hunks of granite below my hip? But it seems like, especially, you know, he mentioned, he called out specifically offensive line. He mentioned the, the three young offensive linemen coming in. Uh, he said they looked the part early on. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit. Mentioned B.J. Allen and Jaden Blue take really taking advantage of being early enrollees and kind of stepping up. But the one thing that jumps off the page for me is, again, we talked about the difference in language. But the way he specifically talked to kind of in a backhanded way, or maybe I'm just reading too much into this. But last year he talked about how the quarterback... Uh, race was one of the, the, the most uncomfortable things, one of the hardest things he's ever done. And he talked about the quarterback race this year really glowingly. It was like, you know, both guys are working their tails off. They're coachable. Uh, you know, this has been a really fun quarterback battle. And, again, that feels like night and day from a year ago where we didn't really get a decision until late in camp. And we got inconsistent quarterback play throughout the season. Now, again, you know, K- Casey Thompson, you know, his, we were fans of his when he was in burnt orange. And now he's kind of gone full heel turn now that he's in Nebraska, which is fine. Lean into it, young man. But, like, it seems like, at least from my perspective, that more so than lip, the normal lip service you get of, we can win with any guy in the room when there's a you know, quarterback uh, controversy. He specifically mentioned these top two guys that are really seem to be, at least from his perspective, Ford is into camp on the right track and hitting the, the notes that he needs them to hit to feel confident uh, to make a decision uh, for the season.
1: It could be much, much worse, Shield. He could be saying the things Jimbo Fisher is, basically about the AM. I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but something along the lines of, oh yeah, yeah it's much better to have two guys out there pushing each other than one you know who, who you know you're not sure if he could like basically just like Jimbo doesn't think he has any quarterbacks right now from the, his soundbite uh, but you know Jimbo sometimes gives weird soundbites that's that's Jimbo um, we won't talk about the DJ <laughs> Durkin. Uh, no we'll just leave it all alone um, but uh, but yeah we're talking about Texas here and uh, I, I agree. I, I, I do think there probably is a, a, a better note of both of these players being at a level up from where the two players were last year. I think there probably is Sark keeping cards close to the chest a favorite. If you, you read the tea leaves, and it, it, it means by being this optimistic that it helps make sure that whoever that second player is 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 sticks around at least to the end of this season maybe if that means when they graduate um you know either way uh but but it's probably a good idea also whether you know you read into intonation in the word choice of, of how he's talking about the two different sets and, and it does seem better or it's again that like it's more fun it's more positive because he's also trying to keep an older player uh, in, engaged if it is in fact Quinn Ewers who's going to take the job right from day one and keep Hudson Card as a you know a ready uh, backup who will see the field you know with our multiple blows out uh, wins we will have surely uh, but no I, I'll i just say um, it is good I think we are in a better spot I, I, I legitimately do um, and, and you know it's it's been interesting to see he t- spent a lot of time talking about Xavier worthy as well a player who he said is you know could have come in and kind of rests on his laurels but uh he's worked his butt off has been the hardest worker from day one um and, and you know there's been the thegruder films of various catches during the offseason I think the the latest is Isaiah Nair with just a really filthy uh catch this week um, so it's great like you you want to see those quarterbacks throwing to guys like they have the arm to to hit hit some deep balls hopefully and you have the receivers who are going to give them the confidence and go up and catch it you know that all these things you know interlock right quarterback play is driven by offensive line play by receiver play you know running backs uh, how good the quarterbacks are will affect the running it's all interconnected nothing truly exists in a vacuum
0: Yeah, and and, you know, you mentioned the wide receivers, Jordan Whittington. You mentioned him specifically as another kind of elder statesman who's setting the tone for it. Uh, But it it seems like like you mentioned defensively, there was less talk about the defense. But uh, you mentioned Byron Murphy, Vernon Broughton, a guy that you and I, two guys that you, you and I really want to see. take a step up and really be leaders on the defense and especially if Texas can get it together at the point of attack especially defensively this is a team to be reckoned with again that's a big if and it's been a big if for about 10 years now Uh, but that that is an opportunity for Texas to really uh, be impressive but again it, it all can change Tuesday when they put the pads on, right? Yeah. Everybody can, you know, look like a look like a Greek god and, and <laughs> uh, in in shorts and a helmet. But when you get the full pads on, when the pads are popping, when the bodies are flying, uh, it's different. So we'll obviously keep up with it as it develops. We'll get more we'll get more information as camp comes. We'll obviously keep you up up to date with as much as we so we're trucking along we're wrapping up our offensive side of the preview series with the offensive line our favorite spot to talk about we'll honestly land on special teams right before the season which is super fun the offensive line kyle we mentioned it on the other side of the break it's been a question mark for texas for a long time and and every time somebody talks about you know, texas has recruited really well for years what's going to be different now i'm like well they haven't recruited well at the offensive line for years and now they have, and that's no shot at any of the guys that are, you know, on campus right now. But there, you can, there's a marked difference between what Texas has done in the recent two classes with Kyle Flood and Steve Sarkisian than what happened, you know, with, with Herb Hand and the like. But uh, Texas a year ago was a solid running uh, ground team, uh, partially because Bijan Robinson could do some stuff in the backfield and there's some junk back there. But uh, finished 12th in the country with 3.04 line yards a rush, um, standard down again, your your first and second downs ahead of the chain. Number seven in the country with 3.06. Uh, successful on 73% of their rushes, uh, three yards or shorter. Uh, stuffed on less than 13% of their plays, but got sacked. Seven and a half percent of the time, which is good enough for 90th in the country. Texas uh, brings back uh, four guys. Of again, we we know Junior Anguila is a guy who Sark mentioned specifically as a as an elder statesman, a guy who's both versatile, multiple, and a hard worker, and kind of been an elder statesman in that room. Jake Majors was good last year, has an has an opportunity to be great and a sophomore step up. We have talked a lot about Christian Jones and and what he's lacking. He was one of the um, worst-rated pro football-focused pass blockers a year ago, and that's just what the stats say. they their shot at Christian Jones. We're not taking – that's just what the stats say. And then Andre Carrick is another guy who saw quite a bit of action a year ago but is dealing with an injury in the offseason. Texas has a lot of fresh blood on campus. Hayden Connor, Cole Hudson, Jalen Garth, a guy who hasn't played a time but was a blue chipper. Uh, Sawyer Gorham Welch flipping over from defense to offense, sliding in at guard. And then you got the three – Freshman's the two five star dj campbell and kelvin banks and then the big body that everybody wanted but was a little bit underrated because of people were concerned about his playing weight but he came in at healthy weight cam williams a guy who was specifically mentioned by sark in the preseason and so the the question i have we talk about this every preseason is when you've got young guys especially in the trenches it's hard to compete with a, a 19 year old body and a 23 year old grown man body right um and so you only really want to play freshman when it's a get to kind of situation. And does this to you feel more like a get to or a have to for Texas in this year?
1: If I'm honest, it feels like a have to. But hopefully not a have to with all three of those guys or even we there's there's other, you know, um young guys. Like I hope it's not a have to with multiple. I hope it's a have to with one. Two at the absolute most, right? Like that—that that means that the guys who've been there, who've been in the program, are are taking to it, are working hard, are are, are taking, you know, the steps. We we they they improved through the season last year can they improve through the offseason? Can they improve in a second season now? You know, doesn't always mean when someone returns, they're instantly in better, you know, better than they were the year before they make a huge leap. Uh, you hope that happens and, and that's player development, right? And that's something that's been criticized at Texas for a long time. When you get blue chip players and, and they don't always turn out, it's well, where was that development? Um, I will say an unnamed uh, former walk-on, now high school football coach who's been on this podcast and knows a lot about Texas offensive line uh, said at the spring game, he played at UT basically at the uh, turn of the century, 09, 10, 11, Um, at the spring game, even without those giant, beautiful handsome stones of granite that the freshman offensive linemen look to be um and truly you see kyle flood has you know a typey like some big um that the guys who've been here a while all looked a lot bigger than recent and even looked bigger as a unit than what he was playing with in kind of turn of the decade 2010s era uh, 20- 2009 to 11 ish era um they looked bigger um, and that's Angleau, Majors, Jones, Carrick. You know, in spring, who were they only had eight linemen then, right? Um, so that's a good sign, right? That's a good sign to to Coach Beckton and the the strength staff, and to these guys buying in. And that was in spring. You hope that they've kept that, you know, forward into the um offseason and, and now into into pads coming up and into you know the 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 season in just a few short weeks. So pure size okay yes but um you know what what do you do with it right like we said christian jones looks like the part right you look at him and think but he did not always do that we know where his his progression curve is but you basically just want to see can those four returners the 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 two tackles guard and center step up and secure four of those spots or can at least one guy from that group you talked about of connor hudson garth uh secure one of those other spots so that it's only one of a Campbell Banks Williams that, that has to get in. But I, I really see the makeup as something like four with some experience, one with no experience. And I think likely that no experience is probably, probably DJ Campbell, just because he looks like an NFL player as an 18 year old. He looks like he's, I mean, and again, that doesn't mean you're, you're going to come in and be perfect, but he just looks different than what we've had and what we have probably on the rest of the team
0: i'll never forget like the moment where i realized that these dudes were different the there was a video like first day of practice they pulled up in the school bus and the dudes were getting off and everybody was talking about oh my gosh kelvin makes oh my gosh kelvin makes oh my gosh kelvin makes i was like i haven't seen him i haven't seen him i haven't seen him and then he gets off the bus and i said oh crap that's him (laughs) like and and you mentioned the guys look different like kelvin Bijan Robinson has already mentioned Kelvin Banks as a kid who's like all about his work, all mm-hmm. about his business. And like you know, when when if you're not gonna joke with Bijan during a workout, then like I, I, I like what you're about. And again, he's a freshman, he's gotta prove himself, he's gotta prove he belongs, but like if the if the star of the team is joking with you, kid, like take a rep off, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but like I'm glad he didn't, right? Like that's like the attitude could be the other, but um the fact that he's all about his business is a is a good sign and so it honestly especially when you talk about guys like banks and campbell those are guys that feel like yes like texas may not have a better option but like would they have a better option if the brockermeyer showed up two classes ago would they have a better option you know if these all these other things happen because these are guys that again are already massive human beings and texas managed to secure uh those guys that could be day one starters And in my and i've been saying this for a while i would be shocked if we don't see one of them start game one and two of them starting by conference play, like that would be my uh, gut reaction because it takes a long time, it takes a while to get up to the speed of the game. Um, but if they came in and, and Sark specifically called them out by name and said they look the part, they act the part, uh, they're here to play, you know, DJ Campbell, we, we trust Mike Roach's evaluation. And Mike Roach is is all about DJ Campbell, he's all about that guy. And so, like, uh, again, Texas needs guards. They've got Hayden Connor, Cole Hudson, we're nothing to sneeze at in, in fall. Mm-hmm. And so if if either of those guys went out i would not be shocked i would not be shocked to see them but when you've got the nfl ready i can't say nfl ready in a freshman offensive lineup but you've got a guy who's got the nfl pedigree he's got all the right attributes and if he comes in and he's playing well that's a positive thing for texas and even if texas doesn't have to play them again that's a better situation let them sit let them acclimate let them grow into their bodies and then if you have to play them if an injury happens they're not they're they're you're able to replace one with one. That was the thing I think that we, that, struggle, that Texas struggled with last year is when a guy went down, you had to replace like one with three because you had to shift yeah. the whole makeup of your offensive line. Yeah. So being legitimately too deep across the five is a win in and of itself. So like even if those guys don't have to start this year, it's great. But again, if a guy like Angelou goes down or if Majors goes down and you slot – Lao over then dj campbell can step into that spot now again i probably think dj campbell starts at whichever guard junior, junior Lao is not at but again it feels like this is this is a have to but yeah and a have to but these guys can actually be the dude if they need to be
1: it, it seems like injury barring right there the, the two i think by all just experience and the fact that they have had you know some pretty good times in in burn orange you know in in perspective um of, of what we consider that these days i think junior anglelow and Jake majors are the first two that you, you're pretty sure right majors its center isn't going anywhere it doesn't seem like an Angulau just has, has been around for for long enough he's been perfect always no, but he's, he's done some really good things and the things that he does well he does well um so I think those two are probably the locks and then tackle will be interesting because uh Jones and Carrick both have upside they both have things they've flashed at um but are far from the finished package so their offseason and, and where they've progressed to will say a lot on you know if if I, if both or either of them are, are again like Gerald said, starting. Um, by the end, or, or if someone, you know, from the the Hayden, Connor, Cole, Hudson, Jalen Garth, and, and SGW, I'm gonna throw him in there too. Uh, has the, you know, has the the that dog in him to to jump in and take a spot, you know, when it's only being talked about with Campbell and Banks, right? Like so, maybe it's one of those other guys who's jumping in and taking somebody's spot too, right? Like I I like that. Like Gerald said, if it's a true, too deep, and and we have depth and we can withstand injuries and we can um, we can have, you know. 7 or 8 guys we feel comfortable and competent with like that's that's a better spot than we've been in, but I mean, it, it, do you do you agree somewhat with with kind of that ranking hierarchy of of where we stand week zero, right? Well, before we actually see any real football or pads on uh, for for the offensive line unit.
0: I mean, yeah, I think again, it's I think it's hard to stratify because they haven't been popping pads for real. Mm-hmm. So again, and and this is not meant to be a shot at any of these guys, but like guys like D J Campbell, Kevin makes Cam Williams, they've been the more phys- the most physically demanding person on the field for the last three ish years. It was, so I the 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 rubber meets the road for those young guys yeah. when the pads start when you've got a Snacks Coburn actually hitting you when you've got a you know Byron Mortgage Murphy like, <laughs> coming off the edge at you like that is something that that changes things and so I, I but again based on what we see coming in and based on early returns from again you know, practice, practice in shells helmets and shoulder pads. Like it seems like they, the guys play the part. There was a picture last week that cracked me up of uh Keelan Robinson standing in front of Kelvin banks. Like it, little guys shouldn't stand next to big guys when they're taking pictures. Just, just know that. Um, but it looked like take your kid to work day. Like it was just <laughs> Kelvin banks is a massive human being. And so uh, I, again, I, I think if we're looking at like, it feels like a, a like a tier system, right? So you've got the, the returning guys, you've got Angela and majors. And then I think you've got like Connor Hudson, Campbell banks, like that whole kind of messy mm. middle group. I think those are, that's probably the group you're going to choose from. Um, and, and then I think the rest of it sorts out. And I, I hate to, you know, talk. I think Carrick is probably a guy who doesn't quite it, And Carrick is an incredible athlete. And I think he was great in the Tom Herman system. I think it, his body needs to grow and change a little bit I think for what Herb Hand likes he's more long lean tackle rather than big body you know six seven three hundred and fifteen pound kind of kid Uh, but I I think there's there's again he's a heck of an athlete and we had um, Donald Hawkins on here a couple years ago but I think the other opportunity you've got you know robertson ogbo those kind of guys uh they're they're going to get the longer development curve which is great right uh nato umazolu like those are the guys who uh i think because you've got guys like campbell and banks and even williams popping those three guys get a year to red shirt and then you know in in two years when you've got these 2023 kids that we're going to talk about uh coming in like they're ready to go and texas can can really take off especially when it comes to sec time
1: well it's funny because you know the the stratosphere of a Campbell and Banks type of true five-star like true um elite player that's what historically Texas has has been used to but it's been a good solid 15 years guys um we get occasionally one of those and a lot of them don't seem to have panned out, but any other year you're looking at a guy like like Nato Muzulu from Allen, and you're saying you know can he start right because he's he's <laughs> one of the best players in the state of Texas, you know one of the top hundred players in the country. There'd be a pressure. He's a little bit smaller at four285 probably slotting in at, at guard um, level, but you know just incredible talent uh, on his own right. It's great to have uh, the the true kind of stratospheric guys in DJ Campbell and Kevin Banks to give them that time. You talked about they could redshirt and come in. It's nice to give them a little bit of a human shield. And again, if you're an offensive lineman, that that is what you are. Um, So good for them for, for blocking a little bit for these guys to have a chance to have a development curve. And I hope I'm just, I hope we get to do this preview three years down the road. And we're talking about, you know, freshmen as yeah. And in, in three more years, we'll see them right. When we have a really a pipeline in Alabama, you know, at its peak where they're putting, three guys a year in the pros and then three guys step up, but they bring two guys back. And then those two are in the, you know, like when we get to that level, which hopefully this is the starting blocks of it, then I, then I really like to have this conversation with you. There is still a little bit of hold my breath, Gerald, because a combination of youth and players who are slightly flawed is going to make up our line. And though our offense has some utterly high octane pieces, Gerald will be the first to tell you, and I've come around to thinking this, Everything begins and ends with the offensive line. It really does, and so we will we will truly see. Are they going to be the governor on this all gas? But yeah, it, it only tops out at 65 miles an hour. Uh, you know, are they are they going to be the regulator on the engine? Um, I don't think they'll be the brakes, but but are they going to throttle how fast? You know, regulate how fast we can actually go with that offense, um, or are they going to be good enough, right? I don't know that they'll be elite, and we'll talk about this as the best line ever in Texas history, prove me wrong, but are they (laughs) going to be good enough that the other elite pieces in this offense can thrive and they can all grow together?
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, when we talk about – I hate the phrase Texas is back, right? But if Texas is ever going to actually be what Texas fans think Texas should be – then it's going to start here and it's going to it. And I think if Texas can't get back to where it should be with an offensive line group, like the ones that they just brought in these last two classes and the one presumably that's going to happen at this 2023 class, like that's where it's going to begin and end is on either side of the football, right, right, touching it on, in the trenches. And so uh, we'll see. Hopefully we get to see the start of what Texas can be. And, and will this be a Well, because again five-star quarterbacks don't matter if the quarterback's on their back right like you can't five-star receivers don't matter if the quarterback can't get the ball off so uh we'll continue to keep you up to date that concludes the offensive side of the ball next week we'll shift to the defensive trenches and take a look at what texas may and can look like in 2022 today's episode is brought to you by cars.com So now it's the part of the show where we whip around the rest of the goings on on campus and we down the 40. So like I mentioned off top, Texas comes in number 18 in the coaches poll polls don't matter. But here we are talking about it anyways, because, again, Texas inexplicably got one first place vote. Uh, There were four teams that got first place votes, uh, Alabama, Ohio State. Georgia and University of Texas. There are four ranked teams in the coaches pool on Texas's 2022 schedule, and all of them happen before the bye week.
1: Yeah, four in the top 11, Gerald. We'll see exactly how good OU is at the beginning of the season. It's been wild in the offseason. We'll see if Baylor, you know, can truly, Aranda can truly, you know, make a consistent program there would likely can but you know replace some things and not have a little bit of flash and pan magic and then oklahoma state we'll see where they are but but you have four really really good tough hard teams um on that schedule i think texas we talk about it in, in as we did our season preview going through doesn't really have a lot of Sleep through games, right? Maybe ULM is is the the most that, that qualifies as that, but UTSA no slouch, obviously Bama, and then and then a, a, just a tough can't ever take a week off Big Twelve. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be a, a tough season. There's a likelihood that Texas could could come out with a you know a top 15 type strength of schedule um, at the end of the year. I, I had a quick quiz for you, Gerald. So Gerald, you know we have four teams in the top 11. Do you know how many the other Team from Texas that's ranked in such poll that Shirley will be tweeting at us about how good they are. I um, won't say their number, but it's, it's not a bad one. Do you know how many, uh, uh, I won't even say top 11. I'll, I'll stretch it out for them a bit. Top 20 teams fall on the uh, the College Station Bandits uh, schedule this year? Top 20? Top 20 ranked uh, teams. I'll, I'll, I'll go with two. It is one. It is that same Alabama, Gerald, they actually almost didn't have any top twenty five Arkansas Snuck in there uh, at twenty three. They don't play Kentucky who's ranked uh, this year. Um, and there's some others receiving votes in there, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, Mississippi State team outside South Carolina, which could be good, but not not uh, not enough to get them riled up uh, this early that they are in there and Florida, again, with some coaching changes is uh, is in the others receiving. Vote so it's a it's a down uh, piece for for parts of the SEC and then A and M just is playing kind of that underbelly missing some of the, some of the more tough teams uh, in that conference obviously besides Alabama so Texas inevitably much harder schedule let's see let's see where the records fall uh, that definitely benefits the, the bad guys but we'll see we'll see how it looks.
0: It'll be okay. They're still going to manage to lose a couple of those games. I think Miami's going to be sneaky good uh, this year. And again, Florida's Florida, and it, it'll be fine. Uh, but Texas on the diamond. We got announcement on Monday that Texas is going to uh, make its third trip to the college baseball showdown to kick off the 2023 season. Texas is going to play Arkansas, Vandy, and Missouri to open up the season at Globe Life Field February 17th through the 19th.
1: It's interesting The uh, all three Editions of this event dating back to 2021 will feature Texas, and it's been very different, right? It was the two years ago where they bombed at this event and then had a great run at the end of the season, and then there was um, where they dominated. And the hype levels reached infinity um because they dominated some really good teams in this pre kind of begin opening season tournament, So we'll see if maybe this year they can just have a really good showing and then still have a great showing all the rest of the season, see if they can piece that full complete season together.
0: Shifting to recruiting and players coming to campus, Texas got a commitment from four star. Edge, Darian Gallette from Teague High School in Teague, Texas, number 149 overall. Uh, Texas missed out on Colton Vasek, a, a local kid, and so uh, Gallette slots in a couple slots ahead of him, uh, 247, which is great. But uh, he is an absolutely uh, freak athlete. He's a two-way star, had like 1,400 receiving yards, can dunk a basketball, runs relays, 43 Foot shot put, like crazy, crazy, stupid athlete, but uh, excited to see him uh, pick the good guys.
1: A uh, a favorite of Aggies on Twitter. I think up until recently they were they were pretty convinced that. They were getting him, and so he was the bee's knees. I'm sure I haven't checked that they have written him off as overrated somehow, but it's funny how uh, that works. But uh, yes, Gerald, this is a this is a position of of need, whichever uh, he slots in, whether it's edge or linebacker. It's we we just keep getting guys uh, that can do those two things well, and I think he's going to be a really really good player, a, a multi year uh, contributor. He's a guy who can do everything. He's a two way star for Teague. 125 tackles, three sacks, interception, five tackles for loss, 62 catches, 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. I love, and I know you do too, the uh, defensive end receiver hybrid. Um, we're seeing the Jatavian. We also have the even bigger versions of that. We, we love it at every level, but... Gerald, I think the thing that sets a guy like him apart is we love players who do get to play other sports and, and have kind of that well-rounded s- skill set. A guy who, you know, you love an edge who's just a monster of an athlete. Uh, someone who can dunk a basketball on his basketball team, run the relay, it track, and then also, you know, just throw a piece of metal 43 feet in the, in the shot put. So, uh, well-rounded and hopefully will be a uh, well-rounded addition to the Longhorns. I mean, that's why you love those like
0: smaller schools, right? Because it's just like, this kid is the best athlete in the school. Have him do everything, right? He also probably mops the floors and, and locks up when everybody leaves, right? He's that kid. Uh, but speaking of players coming to campus, volleyball picked up a transfer commitment another one from nebraska kayla kathy heading into her seventh count them one two three four five six seventh year of eligibility i uh, was an all-american second team in 2021 but another uh addition to Jarrett elliott if you can't beat him make him join you uh
1: yeah i mean absolutely love love that keep get uh, keep getting players from nebraska they still Dozens of players over the next few years. I like that she'll be joining uh, her her teammate at Nebraska's now teammate with the Longhorns, uh, Kianali Akana, um, and I, I just I, we make a lot of jokes, you know, with with whoever you know is previewing whatever team. When we hear a name, we're like, that person's still on the team. The uh, the classic Perry Ellis 19 years at at Kansas basketball, but yeah, Kayla Caffey actually, no joke very much realistically uh, real news seventh year of eligibility is uh if she can figure out a way to get like two or three more she's just going to put the whole shipley family not just jordan the whole shipley family to shame um good for her if you got years come use a midtech
0: absolutely and again if you can't beat them make them join you and that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics big bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by joe ruiz so kyle what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: Gerald, tell me if I'm wrong here or I'm off base. I would like to jointly bang the drum on the wildest college football-related story of the week. Maybe of the offseason, this might be. It's. I don't know. I'd have to think back if any of if, if necessarily touched this, the... We've been that story with Jeff Banks and his monkey before. Um, I don't think this is necessarily as like haha novelty. It's actually awful and terrible. Um, but from a name recognition standpoint, uh, the the other Gundy, his brother being the head coach obviously at Oklahoma State, um, him being the the former you know quarterback of, of OU. It's it's you you live in Oklahoma, Gerald. I mean this this is he's a big deal he's a known figure he's been around forever an ace recruiter like uh the stoops the gundies i mean this is we're talking royalty of the state of oklahoma and that's why it feels like the hornet's nest has been kicked online huh
0: yeah it's it's uh it's been a weird day uh and especially if you're like on big 12 twitter it's been a very very uh very weird day and and um there's a lot to say, and I'm not sure what angle you're taking Kyle so uh well, yeah let's 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 bang it, let's bang this drum let's do it
1: well so so, i mean, look like I've been accused of enjoying gallows humor too much, right like we live in a world that's triggering and and awful stuff happens right like let's just start with kill gundy at at least a, uh, well, according to head coach Brett Venables multiple times, um, used a racial slur. Uh, we have a pretty good idea of which slur that was. We don't know exactly how many times or exactly in what context the original story was that he read it off a of player's iPad. And apparently he read it multiple times off of player's iPad. Um, there's a lot it's spinning there's a lot coming out still it feels like we'll be saying that for the next probably week or two until actual football gets here because there's you know various statements being released and then tweets being tweeted and being deleted um look I'm choosing to, to, first of all, just say it's terrible and it's awful. But then I want to bring a little gallows humor to it, Gerald. I had a, a deep yearning for the Chuck Effin Strong Twitter account to, to to come back with what with his malapropisms. Um, and I tweeted from the uh, the pre gamer uh, account, basically just that I, I I need that in my life to give me a little levity. because uh, I could just see him talking about Brent vegetables and uh, and and Kale Gundy. Um, you know and 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 what an awful salad they ultimately make but uh you know look you have to laugh like there have been some fire memes keep them coming like eh, awful terrible people say awful terrible things to people who they shouldn't say them to or who they have power and authority over and it's terrible and it's never not it's never okay it's never not awful um but you have to laugh at it because Venables also came out like a week ago and talked about how you wasn't going to have any scandal and just get into the season. Um, and you never do that. You never come out. You don't you don't tempt fate that way. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I guess I guess my angle, I'm still formulating because I'm talking it here, is uh, shame on you who did it. Shame on any of you who defend him doing it, certainly. And kudos to the rest of you who are, you know, who are are, are laughing through it because what else are you going to do?
0: There, there's a lot to unpack, and I think there's a lot of different conversations happening, and and I think from my perspective, a lot of what is like the the dumbest takes I see out there, like, well, if a player can can say it or write it, why can't he? Um, you know, and all these types of and and people are making it a, a, there's there's obviously a, a racial component to this, but I think. Part of, you know, you've got players, um, you know, Joe Mixon came out and defended him and, you know, there are other wide receivers from from OU that defended him. Like, one of them literally said if there's one white guy that can say the N-word, it'd be him. And I'm like, I'm not here to police, like, who can say what as far as, like, like, that's not the conversation I want to have. But I think the point that people are missing is that as a leader of people and someone who's job it is to develop young men, young boys, really eighteen year olds, into productive men and you know people in society who can carry their weight. Whatever your responsibility, whatever a normal person's level of responsibility is, yours is greater. And your ability to hold yourself above reproach needs to be higher. And I think that is the issue that we're missing is what, whatever – whatever. Ha- like, again, and there's back and forth. And you know, his daughter is chirping on Twitter and, like, she posted something and deleted it because she probably knew that the screenshots would float around or whatever, whatever. But, like – When your job is to be a leader in a room, the standard is higher for you, period, end of discussion. There's a reason why the quarterback is the guy that they trot into the media room after a loss. It's the quarterback, it's the head coach, and then it's the top guy on defense, right? Because the leaders are held to a higher standard. The leaders are the ones that are held to account for the culture in the locker room for those things. And again, it's getting messy and that's fine and you can argue and you can, but like, I, I just don't, For the life of me, how are people missing the fact that, like, he is a a 50-year-old man in a room full of teenagers. He's got to be the the most responsible person in the room. Like, that's that's the thing that I think we're all dancing around and nobody's saying. Like, you are a grown man with grown children, children that are older than the players in the room, and you cannot be the most responsible person in the room. Like, that is the bigger issue to me outside of everything else.
1: If it wasn't the last name Gundy, it may be different. But, like, there's no excuse. One's a head coach, one's a, one of the longest tenured assistant coaches in the conference. There have been some questionable statements from both Gundy brothers, some questionable affiliations. If it means Kale Gundy learns a lesson from it, then good on you um, for resigning and, and hopefully going on some soul-searching journey like people seem to when they get caught doing awful things, but only after they get caught doing awful things. But anyways, th- th- there's a lot more to unpack. There's a lot more you could say about it. Um, it's not because he's at OU that there's any shot in front of just enjoying you know, people who do not nice things crappy things getting, you know, their, their comeuppance, but, uh, it doesn't hurt, right? It doesn't hurt. Uh, let OU have a little controversy for once. And, uh, you know, I will say kudos if it's all as seems kudos to Venables for acting quickly and, and taking action. Uh, if again, we'll see where the story ends up at the end of the, the, the whole bit, but nonetheless, um, we'll be talking about it and then football will come and hopefully we won't have to talk about it anymore. Uh, so that's it. You know it's going to come up if their wide receivers suck this year. But that's all we've got for you <laughs> this week. Kyle,
0: where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pre-Gamer at Texas Pregamer. gamer
0: You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook em.
1: hook 'em. Hook radicchio, iceberg, Mm -hmm. butterhead, other types of lettuce.